Hi there, I'm Richard. I'm the senior pastor of Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. Let me start by praying. Father, we thank you so much for your personhood. We thank you for who you are, that you're fully human, fully divine. What a mystery that is. And as as we try to grasp that, as we try to understand that, as we try to um, internalize that, sometimes words fail us, sometimes concepts, human concepts fail us. And today as we explore the concept and the idea of worship, I pray that the conversation would uh, go well and that uh, my friends uh, will be inspired to go deeper in their understanding and worship of you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, one of uh, my uh, heroes of the faith, uh, a, a Bible teacher, by the name of John Piper. Pastor John Piper says this about worship. It says, he says, right worship, good worship, pleasing worship depends on the right mental grasp of the way God really is. Wow. So he's not saying that we need to intellectually know everything about God, but what he's saying is right worship, good worship, pleasing worship depends on the right understanding or mental grasp of who God really is because the 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 fact that we would worship God means that it's our response to our understanding our revelation our uh, intellectual uh, grasp of this person that is worthy of our adoration and our worship so let me cover uh, five questions that I get a lot around the topic of worship number one is simple it's Hey, what is worship anyway? What is worship anyway? You know, Pastor Tim Keller, another legend uh, and hero of mine, says this. He says that the human heart is indeed a factory that mass produces idols. Basically saying that we all worship something. You know, whether you worship your amazing sports car or your uh, incredible jewelry or whether you worship your job, your career, your intellect, uh, your degrees or your uh, immigration status or your place in society. We all, our heart is an idol factory. He basically says that, that, that our heart is constantly seeking for something or someone to worship. It is because God created our hearts that way and He wants and desires for our heart to find its home in Him, but He does not force us because He loves us. Love is a response. It's a decision. God allows us as His creation to have free will to decide whether we would worship Him. And if we don't worship Him, naturally that vacuum in our hearts will create a a yearning and a longing for something else which we attach ourselves to, which is what uh, Pastor Tim Keller is talking about. Whether it's money, sex, fame, or whatever else it is. You know, the, the first mention of worship in the Bible comes from Genesis. And some of you may already know this. And, and for some, it, you might be surprised by this mention of worship in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. If you're not familiar with this story, it's the story of Abraham, a, 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 a man that 
was uh, not able to have a, a child with his wife and he had his very first child which was promised to him by God when he was a hundred years old and uh, and 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 this promise had come 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 true and then God asked him to actually bring his son his his child to be offered on an altar he, he god asked him to kill his son on this altar to sacrifice his son to him and god was basically testing abraham's allegiance whether he was more committed to this son that he always wanted or the son that he saw as a promise from god that was answered or was he committed to god and the story ends, it carries on, of course, uh, that, that Abraham didn't actually have to sacrifice his son. God provided a, a, a sacrificial lamb in the place of his son. But nonetheless, my point here in Genesis chapter 2 verse 5, it says this. It says, then Abraham, on his way to sacrifice his son, then Abraham said to his young men, his workers that were helping him, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship, and then I will come again to you. You know, when I uh, read this story, I it brings up all kinds of emotions. You know, I've got two sons, uh, and they are you know thirteen and almost twelve, and the, I love them very much. You know, and I couldn't imagine what Abraham was thinking. You know, if God had asked me to sacrifice my own children, what would I do? And I know God would, of course, not do that. But in this particular case, what would have been going through Abraham's mind? But at that very last moment, knowing, like he didn't know God was going to provide an alternative, but he went knowing that or thinking that he was supposed to sacrifice his son. The last thing he did before that was to worship God. That's crazy. I don't know if I would do that. I would have done that. Abraham's relationship with God, his understanding of God, his trust in God must have been at another level to mind that he would, he would have this faith to focus on worshipping God rather than worrying, rather than freaking out, rather than trying to find an alternative, rather than choosing to disobey God. You know, the word worship in this passage is shakah, which means to bow down, to prostrate oneself before a superior being. You know, the word, the word worship shows up 255 times, 254 times in the Bible, 179 in the Old Testament, and 75 times in the New Testament. It is a topic, it's a word that shows up often. Darlene Czech, a, a legendary worship leader from Hillsong, formerly of Hillsong, says this. She says, we don't worship God because life is good. We worship God because He is good. You know, so often we, we could be like good, like good time friends with God. We're, we're only there with Him when times are good and we get up mad at Him, we get upset at Him. Happens to me too. When life isn't going so well, when we're grieving, we don't want to worship God. But what Darlene is saying here is we're worshiping God because He is God, good regardless of how life turns out. You know, it's like um, the worship is... It's death to self, regardless of how we feel. 
that is our rightful response to God. You know, and when we come before God in worship, when we approach Him, it's kind of like looking at the sun. Sometimes we can't look at the brilliance of the sun. It's so powerful and so bright, but we can feel its warmth. We can experience its power. We can uh, experience the benefits, the vitamins that come into our skin uh, when we come before the sun. And as we worship the Son of God, uh, you know, He will take away our grief. He will take away our pain. He would uh, even momentarily uh, ease the, 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 the suffering that we are going through. Um, so let's worship God because He is good. Question two. So question one, hopefully that was helpful. Um, feel free to drink your coffee as we talk. But here, here's question two. It's a common one. And I'm sure you must have asked it at some stage, and I uh, have asked it in the past, and sometimes even now. I question two, but I don't feel it. I don't feel it. Basically, it's a statement or a question of, what do I do if I don't feel like worshiping? Have you ever done something uh, that you don't feel like doing, and then when you got started? everything changed like you you, you, the endorphins kicked in and and you get some momentum and you're like oh it's not so bad after all you know actually uh, after living 43 years of life I have realized that almost everything there's not many things that I actually want to do naturally there may be a few things but many things many things require me to take that step to actually step into it and then it becomes better if I say I don't feel like X, whatever X is, uh, I probably wouldn't do anything. You know, uh, an author and pastor called John Mark Comer, who wrote the book that uh, has really been very helpful to me in this season of my life, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says this. He says, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and worship, I would say, and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. So he's saying that we need to slow down. He's saying that we need to uh, uh, be in the moment that we, this life, this modern society has caused such hurry that our brains can't even cope, can't even focus for a moment. You know, uh, I, I read this 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 blog that, that, that quoted Chamath Pali Hapitiya. I think that's how you say his name. Sorry if I butchered your name, Chamath. Uh, but he's the former vice president of user growth at Facebook. And he says this in this interview. He says, I feel tremendous guilt. because." And he was talking uh, to an audience of Stanford University students. He said, the short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. You know, and further along, he, he describes how it's caused attention deficit. Uh, it's, it's caused people not be, to be able to focus for long periods of time on, 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 on deep work, on quality work, on conversations, on, on, on paying attention to someone when they're having in a chat with you or pouring their heart out. It is completely, it has completely changed how this society works. I love... I love this psalm in Psalm 46 verse 10. It says, uh, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. Um, this, this psalm is basically telling us to kind of just stop. Stop everything. If, if, you, if you spend most of your day on a screen working or playing or studying, stop. Turn off the screen. Put your computers down, your devices down. Shut off your phone and just be still for a moment. I know sometimes, you know, my kids say, you know, man, it's so boring, Dad. I don't know. I mean, I say that sometimes, right? It's not just a, a young person's thing. But, but we need to make the decision like anything, even though we don't feel like it. We need to make a decision to get started. And the starting point is just to be still. And when we are still, God, the knowledge of God will begin to come into our hearts and our spirits. Try it. Try it, my friends. And then from that point, we, 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 we can begin to ponder upon who God is. If you've missed the last three sessions of Jesus 101, why don't you go back to that to, to listen into it, to, to help you remember or understand for the first time how incredible this God is that we serve and, and love. Another hero, I'm, I'm going through all these heroes of faith, another hero of the faith called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, the, he, he, German he, he was killed, he was martyred for his faith at age 39. Um, he wrote this incredible book called The Cost of Discipleship. And I quote him here, The life of discipleship is not the hero worship we would pay to a good master, but the obedience to the Son of God. You know, Bonhoeffer was known for his staunch resistance to the Nazi dictatorship and was killed by hanging at the age of 39. He's saying to us that uh, we, we, our obedience, our obedience to, the God, to God, to Jesus, that is a mark of our worship. We're not worshipping Jesus necessarily just as a, as a hero. He's so much more than that. He is the Son of God and our obedience, our action, our, our decision to do what He has asked us to do, that is part of our worship. You know, his, his biography says this, on, this, on Sunday, 8th of April, 1945, the year my dad was born actually, it says, He had just finished conducting a service of worship at Schoenberg when two soldiers came and took him away. As he left, he said to another prisoner, This is the end, but for me, the beginning of life. He was going to heaven. He was hanged the next day, less than a week before the Allies reached the camp. He held a service of worship just before he was hanged to death. You know, sometimes when we don't feel like worshipping, let's take a moment to be intentional. Let us, let us just get started. Let us remember some of these heroes of the faith that even in the face of death, of course they don't feel like it, but they choose to worship. Question three. Question three. This is an easy one, it's, uh, but I hear it a lot. It says, why do people lift their hands and close their eyes or kneel and, 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 and shake and move around? Why do they do these things when they worship? And this is relating to, to musical worship because worship is more than just musical worship and songs. right? And uh, if you've ever seen the, the, the um, uh, funny meme on the internet about the different 
postures of worship. There's one, uh, w- uh, they're, they're different pictures and it, it shows the, the body and, and one is like the carrying of the TV uh, style worship when someone lifts their hands like this. And then there's the carrying of the bigger TV <laughs> and then there's the, there's, the, uh, there's the Mufasa lifting up um, the uh, baby Lion King. Um, there's so many different postures of worship. Uh, but, but my answer to this as to why people have different postures is like um, the fact that humans, uh, we're, a, we're, we're physical beings and the way our body moves, uh, reacts and responds to something uh, that, that we're faced with. When you're in a concert, you jump around and you uh, clap your hands, you lift your hands. Why? Because, because that, that represents how you're feeling. And the posture of lifting your hands, not that that makes the worship any better, but it helps. It basically means that we're, we're saying that God is above us, that God is higher than us. When we bow our heads, we are, we are, we are creating a posture of humility. When we close our eyes, we basically just uh, uh, choose to focus. We choose to focus in because sometimes it's so easy to get distracted. You know, they call it the shiny object syndrome, right? So... Our, why we lift our hands and we have close our eyes it's basically posturing it's lowering ourselves humbling ourselves and lifting high uh, god higher than ourselves and to focus okay question four of uh, the five questions um this is a common one people have asked me often what is the presence of god when people say i feel the presence of god man i got the gooseies and what does that actually mean you know, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, uh, where the, the, the Israelites were, were actually uh, led by God on the, the, the exit from slavery from um, Egypt, it says this, Exodus 13, 21, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them the light, that they might travel by day and by night. So th- it was a physical manifestation of God's presence that they could see that was physically leading them uh, on their exodus. Right, so sometimes uh, the presence of God could be physical. You can see it, but um, oftentimes most people don't see God in that way, uh, in terms of uh, God's presence. But I would describe this in my own words as the awareness. You know, the awareness of uh, the God, God's being, uh, being present with us. Have you ever <laughs> um, been focused at, on, on something and, and, and someone creeps up on you and, and freaks you out? Yeah, yeah. Why do you get freaked out even though they're right there physically? You, it's because you weren't paying attention. You weren't aware of their presence. But sometimes, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I feel like someone's watching me. No, 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 no. You know, like I feel like there's some someone in this, a house Right, um, and sometimes it's it's just a fake feeling. Sometimes it's real, but um, when we pay attention, our senses, our five senses, can work together uh, to help us realize that that there's something there or God is there. Uh, because you know uh, we understand that God is omnipresent, being that He's present everywhere. He's 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 uh, 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 he, He's actually um, always there, and He's always everywhere then why is it that we we can't feel God's presence? Well, I would 
suggest that perhaps the reason why we don't feel God's presence is because uh, the difference is our awareness or our lack of awareness. And like, um, you know, John Mark Comer said earlier about the concept of hurry, when we're so hurried, when we're so focused on something, we're not taking a moment to have a deep breath and to be present ourselves, then of course our minds and our spirits and our hearts cannot um, be aware of this God that is already there. So I encourage you, my friends, to, to be present, to slow down, to take a moment, right? So let me conclude by going to this, this verse, this powerful verse uh, that, that at the last book of the Bible, Revelations. And this really, really encourages me um, about the purpose of our worship. Revelations chapter 7, verse 9 to 11, it says this. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they all fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped. God. As John Piper says, right worship, good worship, pleasing worship depends on the right mental grasp of the way God really is. Our Creator God, our God that created us, that loves us so much that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to come and live a life that we should have lived, to die a horrific death as an innocent man in our place. And He rose again because He is God and He defeated the power of sin and death because He loved us. Because God demonstrates His love for you and for me in this, that while we were still in our sin, far away from Him, that Jesus, our friend, he died for you. He died for me. Maybe that's become white noise to you and be, you've been in around church a long time and you, you're like, Pastor Weon, I've heard you say this so many times. Like, I can't even, uh, I can't even make sense of, of, of the fact that Jesus died for me. It's just, it's just like white noise. It's background music. My friends, God, Jesus died for you and me. He deserves, He deserves our worship. Let's pray. As usual, I want to pray for two groups of people. The first, if you're a Christian, and as, as, as you've heard the last few sermons, and you've come to a point where you realize that Jesus deserves more. He deserves your absolute devotion and your worship. Why don't you lift your hands in the air right now? And I'll pray for you, Father. You see these hands. They're saying to you that you are absolutely worth their worship. You're absolutely worth uh, their lives. That they want to uh, crucify themselves. That they would want to say that it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. 
that they realize that you gave your ultimate uh, treasure, which is your life, in exchange for their lives. And because of that, because of that, they want to worship you with all that they are. Help them to be able to get in the right posture, to find the right place, to find the right time. That they will be consistent, that they will not uh, allow the, the, the gospel, the good news to become white noise to them. That they would be able to consistently and go deeper and deeper and deeper in their love and their devotion towards you. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. For a second group of people, if you're here and you're listening to this, you're not a Christian. Or maybe once you walk with Jesus and you realize that this God is worthy of your worship and you don't know Him yet. You want to come close to Him. You want to take steps towards Him. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you put your hand on your heart? Dear God, you see these hands. They're saying to you they want to come to you, they want to come and build a relationship with you. Would you lead them? Would you guide them? Would you uh, give them the strength and the courage to take the next steps? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website at www.everynationauckland.city. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.